Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones because I want to spend a lot of time with this guy because I love to give him a hard time. He always chooses the wrong augers. We're going to talk ice fishing with Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I, I, I heard a little bit of a sarcastic laugh in there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I literally am down here at Bass Pro Denver, and I am literally on this aisle looking at this just amazing four-stroke jiffy with a 10-inch blade, and I'm thinking, why on earth would anybody not use that? And then I, you, you said your key words right there, you know? Yeah, you and I, we will agree to disagree um, on the size of an ice auger, probably until one of us quits ice fishing. But there's, legit, there's legitimate reasons that bo- for both of us. There really is. I mean, there's Absolutely. neither one of us is wrong and neither one of us is right. We just have a different approach to how we do it. And, you, and because you guide and work with a lot of people, I actually understand it. I mean, other than the fact that you're, you've been held back a little bit, uh, that I can understand why you picked the tannins. But now take us through some ice fishing gear. You know, obviously, we respect you as one of the true ice fishing experts in Colorado. You know that. We really respect what you do. You spend as much time on the ice as anybody I know. Kind of take us through, you're looking for ice fishing gear, whether it's for you personally or a Christmas gift. What are some of the ideas you had? Absolutely, Terry. You know, I mean, obviously, I think it's just an exciting time to, to, to ice fish. We've been discussing ice fishing for a couple weeks now, but honestly, Terry, we kind of hold back just a little bit. Um, honestly, this has one of the, been one of the earliest ice seasons in history. I mean, people have been on the ice since early November, but we don't want to push too much. You don't want people going out if they're not comfortable, if they're not ready. But as we have this cold weather hitting right now, uh, things are freezing. I mean, Cherry Creek has ice on it. Chatfield has some ice on it. Again, neither one of these are fishable. Neither one of them are 100% capped, but we're building some ice. So it's nice to see this ice build. It's perfect time for Christmas. And I think just in general, we have more of an influx of fishermen in Colorado than we've ever had in history. And a lot of these anglers are crossing over to ice fishing, um, which I love to see more than anything, Terry, because as you get into the sport of fishing, uh, just as a whole, so many times in the open water world, things do get expensive boats and tackle, but you jump over to the ice and it is probably one of the most affordable sports that you can partake in here in Colorado. Now you can take it to extreme levels and get a lot of gear and make it, you know, make it expensive, but just to get out and catch fish, um, you can do it on a very, very affordable rate. And that's kind of the nice thing about ice fishing. And as we see all these bites hit, heat up, uh, it's great to see. And there's some new technology out there. I mean, looking and walking like a floor at Bass Pro, where I'm at right now, looking at what's available, everything from the low-end markets to the high-end markets. I mean, a lot of the companies have done better with their, their paint and overall colors of their presentation. So you have options of tungsten, where you have have smaller, heavier profiles where you can really finesse fish. You have things like the, the Bass Pro Laser Blade, which is probably one of the most popular blade baits uh, in the country right now, and they redid all the foil on their bait. So now you get far better imagery and color, um, just a lot more flash. So little items like that are huge. So for the ice fishermen out there, new things that are here now versus last year, a lot more availability, and again, material like tungsten, uh, as well as finishes like that reflective material. So we love seeing that. Then you cross over into to big items, things like a, an auger. You and I love talking about it, and regardless of the size bit you choose, 
shoes. Now is a, a major player of do you go gas or electric or even propane? You know, when you and I started ice fishing, I mean, you know, we have a spoonbill hand augers, and then you finally got a gas-powered auger, and you could care less any options of how it was powered. It was, it was not manual, and you were excited about it. But now you have so many options of motor size, how much torque you want, how many RPMs you want, um, and really the availability of the powerhead of that. Do you want propane? Do you want gas? Do you want electric? Um, and all of them have a time and a place uh, to fit your style of angling. And that's the type of things that they were excited about. So I think on any Christmas list out there, those are the type of options out there. And I'd say probably augers are one of the hottest things right now because there's so many availabilities of styles of that auger. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I got rid of my gas auger. Right now I have a hand auger, which I'll use on early ice, but I'll probably have to replace my power auger. Now, I'm not guiding like you are, so I don't have to maybe drill as many holes, but I still, there's days when I'll drill 50 or 100 holes. How do you feel about the electrics? And that's what I'm leaning towards. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm leaning towards an electric with an 8-inch bit. How do you see those electrics, and how have they been holding up? You know, I, with that, every manufacturer is making one, and you also have options of like what Vexlar put out is called the K-drill, and that's going to be a bit adapter that goes on to a cordless drill, and Clam has a drill plate and an entire assembly for that. Then you have your main manufacturers, your Strike Master, your Eskimo, your Jiffy, that make large electric powerheads for those drills. Um, to be honest, Terry, I do have electric augers. I'm using them more and more. Um, with that, I go with the full powerheads. So I don't use any cordless drills um, just because I really have to drill enough holes. I don't want to get stranded out there. I want to make sure that I can drill through the course of the day, even the next day. Um, so with that, I'm running what's called the E6 by Jiffy. So that's a 100% electric drill, forward, reverse. It has lights. It has a USB port to charge your phone or lights or anything else you want on it. Uh, it's a lithium battery. And on that E6, I get a ton of torque. Um, it's probably one of the more torque-powered electrics on the market so the benefits of this number one it is silent um so it is extremely quiet i mean you truly hear how much noise it makes just with the blades hitting the ice because you don't hear anything from the power head of the motor um so it's very quiet which is nice so you're not spooking fish you're you're not really you know taking away from the, the overall experience of being in a nice quiet place on the ice uh there's also no order so Put it in your car. Put it inside a shelter. There's no smell. You know, there's no fumes. There's no spilling any liquids. Uh, so that's a huge benefit. And on that E6, you know, you can do almost 300 holes on that 12 to 15 inches of ice. So it is very comparable to a tank of gas in a gas-powered motor or even a propane bottle on a propane-powered auger. So that E6 is keeping up hole-to-hole with most of your situations of drilling through a lot of ice. Um, so that's kind of a huge benefit. Some of the other manufacturers are, are trying to lighten things up a little bit. They're putting a slightly smaller battery, and they're not quite getting the battery life. So you just have to look at, at what your goals are. How much are you going to be drilling? And, you know, how, how many holes do you need? And you can kind of adjust your, your source uh, of that power from that. Um, now, for me personally, Terry, I have gas and I have electric. I have both of them in my ice trailer. Um, I actually run a 9-inch. So, again, I'm taking one step back, leaning towards you, Terry. I run a 9-inch electric, and I run a 10-inch gas. Um, for me personally, if I am on the front range, you know, the Chatfields, Cherry Creeks, walleye fishing, 
um, I'm running my electric almost exclusively. Um, I know that I'm not going to be drilling more than five, 600 holes. I know I can get that 400 holes. You know, we have our typical six to eight inches of ice on the front range here. So I know that I can drill for multiple days um, on a battery. So that is a very ease of mind. So I'm running that electric, uh, almost all my front range stuff. Now, when I get in the mountains, the second I start hitting that 15 18 inches of ice, that's where the gas comes into play. Simply for the fact that if I get crazy and I want to drill a ton of holes, uh, I'm in extremely cold temperatures, I know that even if I run out of gas on my gas-powered auger, I can go to a gas station. I can go anywhere, and I can I can refill that. I can bring a gas can with me. I can restore the energy in that auger, and I can keep going. As opposed to the electric, I know that I'm going to have to take time to charge that battery before I can continue going. So for me, extreme situations, I'm running gas. Most of the front range, you know, again, was going to say that, that 12 inches of ice and less, uh, I'm running that electric. So I, I run both options, and I absolutely love them both. In the sake of hiking around, carrying it, loading it in my truck, I'm probably more a fan of the electric than I am anything else. Yeah. You know, most of the time during ice fishing, I've been taking trips to Hawaii when COVID came, and any ice auger <laughs> worked fine. I didn't have any issues. Hey, no, seriously, let's let's move on. I Last week... I didn't talk about any brand specific, but I talked about what I look for in an ice fishing rod. I've designed ice fishing rods for two major manufacturers, and I want to just get your take on what are some of the qualities you look for in an ice fishing rod. Absolutely, Terry. You know, I think, like you said, I mean, we didn't have to jump into brands. I've obviously am partnering with a couple of brands in the industry, same as you have done some design work. But nowadays, we are so lucky. Again, not saying that we're old or we've been in this industry long enough, but we used to get ice rods, and it was either a wet noodle or it was something that you could get into a street fight with and protect yourself. And there was really no in between. As to where now, I mean, these rods are developed for techniques. They are sensitive. It, it, you have very specific rods for, for you know, techniques in fish um, that has really helped us catch more fish at the end of the day because we have the right rod to do so. Um, more so than talking about what I look for in an ice rod, I want to talk about one thing. Everybody here, I'm at Bass Pro, I just sold some rods to some people. Everybody does the same thing. We talk about this every year. When they walk up to an ice rod, they tell themselves, hey, I'm going to Antero. I'm going to be catching, you know, two to five pound fish. I want a rod that can land those fish. Then I had another gentleman come in. He goes, hey, I'm going up to Granby. I'm lake trout fishing. I want a rod that can handle a 20-pound laker. And all these are great concepts, but it all comes down to getting a bite. You have to get a bite before you can set the hook, before you can even dream of landing that fish. Getting the bite is where it all starts. So for me, I purchase and select my ice rods according to my technique. So I have rods that will cross five, six species of fish, but I have rods that I'm running, you know, as a as aggressive spooning, like blade bait, jigging wrap rod. So this is going to be a heavier action rod. I know my bait are going to be a half ounce, five, eight ounce. It's a heavy bait. If I run a really soft rod, a lightweight rod on that, the rod's going to absorb all my action. Nothing is going to be crisp. Nothing's going to be clean. And therefore, I am not going to get bites. And I'm not going to have a chance at trying to land a fish on that. So I personally look at my technique. So when I'm wearing those reactionary style baits, I want a heavier action rod. So I run a 36 medium heavy, uh, you know, and I really want to make sure that when I twitch that rod, 
and snap that rod, I can deliver action to my bait to entice those fish. So all my rod selection is due to the technique I'm using. Now, when I'm slip bobber fishing or dead sticking in some fashion, I want that lighter rod. I want to make sure I can pick up that rod. As the fish is taking the bait, the rod has to load. They don't instantly feel the pressure of that rod and want to spit that bait, you know, using live bait or dead bait or some sort of dead presentation. Um, so I want a lighter action rod for that particular technique. Um, and then same thing, when I'm running like soft plastics, like a tube jig, um, you know, a lot of my normal trout stuff, I'm running like a medium action rod. I don't want it too light because I still want action, but I definitely don't want it too stiff. I don't want that jig to be turning on me on the turns. Uh, so at the top and lower strokes of that bait, I don't want it twist so everything for me is developed for a technique and not necessarily uh you know handling the fish i can catch obviously you have to make sure the rod can handle what you're targeting but start off with a technique and i promise you that's going to put a lot more fish on the ice this year uh than just selecting the random rod for for the weight of fish that you're trying to catch well and uh, we've got to go but the one other thing i look at too in the rod is technique as you said but also the line weight i tend to fish on that rod that rod, if I'm going to fish four-pound test, that rod has to protect that initial run against four-pound test before the drag kicks in. So you have to make sure that rod has to protect that. And that goes right hand-in-hand hand with technique. Nate, we are running out of time. Have you, what have you got coming up, and where can people find you? I'll tell you, Terry, we are so excited. Launching our website this week, and we also 100% have our schedule for ice addiction. Uh, We're going to launch that schedule Monday morning. Tickets go on sale Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. So for everybody that's been chomping at the bit, calling, texting about ice addiction, mark it on your calendars. The 15th at 8 a.m. ice addiction tickets go on sale. So the 15th at 8 a.m. Uh, again, Monday morning, just watch our Facebook page. Uh, and we'll be kicking out that schedule. We're really excited excited uh obviously a lot of hurdles and so much work has gone into the series this year uh, but we're really excited to announce it early this week but again everything about ice addiction is this week so follow the facebook page follow our website uh, and we'll get you dialed in 15 seconds if you were headed out ice fishing today or tomorrow where would you go I tell you, if you want numbers, go to Terry All. You want slight opportunity of bigger fish, hit up Antero right now. Both have good ice. Both have that early ice effect for some good fishing. Uh, the biggest thing with both of them, move around often. If you're not catching fish, move. Move to where the fish are biting. All right, my friend. We will talk to you next week on Sunday instead of Saturday. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski, we're going to take a quick timeout, and Brad Peters is going to join us. Brad Peterson, I should finish saying his name. And we're going to talk some ice fishing and some waterfall on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phone, and joining us from Brad Peterson Outdoors is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, I want to talk what this weather is going to do to waterfall, because uh, I think it's going to make some changes for the better, I think, but you can fill me in. But before we do that, I know you've been checking a lot of the ice fishing conditions. What are you seeing out there? Well, I tell you what, as Nate was talking about, you know, up in the hills ha- is definitely has better ice conditions. If you're up in, you know, the northern front range, the spot I'd kind of be looking at right now is the Red Feather area, the North Michigan, you know, Lake John. Those areas all seem to have that five to seven inches of ice middle of the week. So those areas are doing pretty good on their 
the thickness of ice, and then they also, you know, there's a lot of, on the, the Red Feather Lakes areas and the North Michigan, a lot of those stalker-sized trout being caught. If you want a little bit bigger fish along this front range area, you know, you can go up to Lake John uh, on the, the northern mountains. But along the front range here, I'm actually out driving around. I'm, I'm not too far from uh, trigger time. I'm parked at St. Rain right now looking. And these ponds are just starting to get capped over. But the snow we had is weighting that ice down. So it may be a little bit longer for us to get fishable ice than if we hadn't got the snow. So I'm going to guess, you know, we're probably about a week away from some of these front range little ponds and areas to be able to where you can get out and start fishing. You know, you mentioned areas like Red Feathers and um, North Michigan, and Nate mentioned Terriol. Those are great lakes. We're going to get a lot of new beginning ice anglers out there this year. And while they're waiting for what we hope will be fishable ice on the front range, we never know what the weather is going to do. Those are great opportunities because you can, it's, you get a better opportunity, you're going to get some action. Maybe less opportunity, you're going to get big fish, but you'll get you'll catch fish normally. And you can usually go to those type of lakes and kind of, if you're, if you're brand new to ice fishing and you want to go and just catch some fish and get started, you can take a minimal amount of gear, just make your dress warm enough if you don't have a shelter. You at least have one or two ice rods that are going to be uh, acceptable for what you're doing and a handful of jigs and maybe a spoon and some bait. And if you go and kind of look where the crowd seem to gather, and sometimes just go to the outside edges because fish get pushed a little bit and start drilling a couple holes and fishing, even if you don't have electronics, a lot of times by just observing and doing a little fishing, you can get started and, and catch a, a, a good number of those stalker trout you mentioned. Oh, yeah. that Those two spots, you know, up north, the, the red feather and the the North Michigan are both fantastic for that opportunity. The one thing I would say about Red Feather is if you're going to go up there, make sure to take a look at the forecast. That area can get fairly windy. And so if you're taking some kids or some people like that and you don't have a shelter, I would spend the extra time and drive to North Michigan. It's a little bit more protected in the valley there and doesn't get affected by the wind nearly as much as, you know, Dowdy and Parvin and West do there in Red Feathers. So that's the one thing I'd recommend about that area is just, just take a look, because if they say it's going to be blowing 30, more than likely it's going to be blowing 45 to 50 up there. And well, so I, that can yeah. that can make people a little uncomfortable out there as far as temperature-wise. I'll, I'll tell you a story that I went up to Red Feathers last year during early ice, and it was good ice but there was hardly anybody out. I think me and a couple other guys and I didn't bring my shelter cause it was a fairly warm day and I was only going to go for a couple of hours. So I was just going to walk out on the ice. So, but I did bring a small sled, like a kid's sled so I could haul my electronics, and my auger on it. Well, I took the electronics and the auger off the sled. I was holding the rope and the wind came up and that sled was straight out about shoulder high from me. <laughs> the wind was yep. lifting it off the ground and pulling it out in the air. I tried fishing for a short period of time, and it was, wasn't was very successful. But I will tell you, if you go up there, 
they have, like you said, for beginners especially, they have bathrooms and parking right by the lake, both places. So you've got your car if you need to warm up. You've got bathrooms there. They're a great place for beginners and people who maybe didn't quite prepare properly, but you can catch some fish. That's the main thing. By the way, there I have, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, there are videos on both North Michigan and the Red Feathers Lake scattered throughout my YouTube channel that can give you some uh, pointers on fishing those areas. Let's switch gears to waterfall, Brad. Um, the snow, I mean, obviously we've had record numbers of geese. We've had a number of ducks, but they've been spread out. Of course, duck season closed for a while. We're going to getting back into, I believe, another round of ducks and geese are still going on. What is this weather going to do? I, I tell you what, what the weather's going to do is a lot of these birds came in when it was nice. And they kind of found some fields, and they all had gotten into a real pattern. The cold weather and the snow that have come in, it's covered up the feet a little bit, so the birds are flying around looking for other fields that have, you know, feed more accessible. And a lot of times uh, that's when the best hunting is because you put decoys out and you're imitating that this is the field they want to come in and feed at. And the other thing that's happening is, like I mentioned, with the ice fish in these ponds are starting to freeze up, and some of the lakes will be freezing up here fairly soon. So what the, what that is doing is it's kind of pushing these birds out of their normal routine, and it's going to make it really good for hunters. I would say the goose hunters, boy, the next week to two weeks, the way the weather's supposed to be, should just be phenomenal. And then, like you said, the northeast uh, region of the Central Flyway shut down there December 1st. And they're going to reopen next Saturday on the 19th. And what I'm seeing around here is I'm starting to see some mergansers and some golden eyes. These are kind of our later migrating birds. So we've had a push of birds come in with this, the first part of the front. And I would expect the cold weather locking stuff up. You're going to see these birds either go into the really big reservoirs or particularly the river. And the nice thing about the river on the northeast is Colorado Parks and Wildlife has a ton of public land along the South Platte River. So there's lots of opportunities for people to get out there and do some, you know, duck hunting when it reopens. And don't be surprised if you see some geese along that river as well. Now, now are the geese and the ducks, are a lot of those geese become residents here? Will they stay the winter? Or will we see some of the geese and ducks, of course, push through and see new birds come? What, what are we looking at there? Well, for geese, we hold our geese pretty good unless we get about 8, 10 inches or more of snow. And then the birds just aren't able to get the feed that they need. So they go down south, and a lot of times that just means down to the Denver area or even a little bit further south, and as it warms back up, they'll kind of trickle in. But talking to the people up north in the Dakotas and Montana, there's still a lot of ducks and geese up there to come. So I would say we should have at least one, if not two more pushes of fresh birds coming in. And that's, that's always makes, always makes for some good hunting when you get those new birds in for a week, 10 days as they kind of get used to their new environment. Brad, we are out of time, but if people want to book a trip with you or get more information, how do they find you? The best way to find me is Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook or give me a call at 303-829-3998. Still have a couple days available for duck hunting in January. So if people are wanting to get out, just give us a holler and 
you know, hopefully everyone has a, a good time here in the next week in the outdoors. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Brad Peterson. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays, and we're going to talk some shooting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. If you're looking for clothing, footwear, hiking, fishing, hunting, camping, grilling, biking, anything, especially a Christmas gift, stop by a Jack's store near you. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Clays is J.R. Pierce. Good morning, J.R. Hey, good morning, Terry. You know, J.R., we've been talking about all the new people getting outdoors and shooting is certainly no exception. A lot of people, whether it's Christmas or they've just decided they want to be a gun owner or they're buying their first gun or they're getting into hunting. We're seeing a lot of new gun owners out there. Why don't you kind of go through what Colorado clays has to offer so that those new gun owners know where they can go to get familiar with their firearm and further themselves in both proficiency and safety. Well, and thanks for bringing it up, Terry. That's where Colorado Clays really shines, because we are Colorado's premier public shooting facility. And for the last 24 years up till now, we have featured the very finest in rifle, pistol, traps, skeet, wobble traps, sporting clays, shotgun patterning, and like you say, training in all firearms disciplines. So when you get that new gun, uh, first call you need to make is Colorado Clays because not only do we have a range course or field that will accommodate that gun, but we also have the training available if you want that and the finest staff in the industry to make sure that you start out using that gun safely, properly, and fundamentally sound. So uh, definitely first call you need to make with that new gun. Well, you know, and as more and more people get into hunting, and even experienced hunters, I know you get people come in and say, I, ca- I can't make this shot. I miss these shots. I don't know what's going on. Um, can you take both the new and the experienced shooter or hunter and get them dialed in? Well, well, certainly, Terry. And, you know, that's really what we're all about when it comes to these in-the-field uh, hunters and shooters. You know, obviously, we do lots of recreational stuff. Um, let's just start, for example, um, our rifle range. So it go, go clear back to August. You know, we started with the muzzle loaders, and even now um, we have a lot of guys sighting in for these late seasons. And our rifle facility is a state-of-the-art range, uh, has that video viewing system, radiant heat, and the beauty of that is that you can sight in in real time with no spotting equipment required. Obviously, being a public range, you don't need a reservation or a membership. And when you combine all of this with the fact that, you know, these ammo manufacturers have um, the the availability of ballistic charts and trajectories, you can literally dial in for any range and any type of hunting at Colorado Clays. And, Terry, it carries right over into the bird hunters. Uh, As we speak, I've got some gentlemen up there patterning on our pattern board for geese. And you can do any shotgun, any choke, any ammo combination, and literally get your gun shooting where you are looking before you go out onto our ranges, courses, or fields. And 
when we've talked about many of the different hunts going on this time of year, uh, let's talk about a playing game. You know, we've talked about that wobble trap. That is a trap with a ground-level launch, and the trap literally oscillates left to right and moves up and down. So there's a near endless number of ranges, angles, and elevations to practice you for them up-leg game launches. Um, now, this time of year, Terry, Colorado Clays does something as a favor to all of our bird hunters, and that is we set up with a variety of target presentations that you may expect to see in the field. So literally, uh, we're going to have long shots. We're going to have close shots, left and right angles, uh, straight up, straight down, incoming, outgoing, you name it. Colorado Clays sets our courses up to accommodate not only the recreational shooter, but to help our bird hunters with the shots they need work on. So uh, definitely, once again, first call you need to make, Colorado Clays. You know, I think you need to set up one, though, that the clay comes out and then stops right in midair right in front of me while I take aim. <laughs> yeah, Terry. I think I already told you you need to get out your fishing rod and try and hit it with that because I've seen that before. <laughs> no, you really can't accommodate almost any discipline. I'll tell you what, that, that patterning board, it kind of came out of turkey hunting, but it's evolved to just about every kind of shotgunning, maybe one of the best tools for shotgunning out there because until you know what your pattern is, how many pellets you're putting in area, it's hard to adjust your 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 sight picture and all the other things about your shooting, isn't it? Absolutely, Terry. And, you know, throughout the course of the year, uh, I see people all different disciplines, all different places on our range maybe struggling. And I've watched over their shoulders and seen the gun appear to be shooting high, low, left, or right. So the first stop, pattern board, Make sure we have a good stance, a good gun mount, a good sight picture, a good trigger squeeze and follow through. And if that gun is not shooting uh, where you are pointing, you know, point of aim, point of impact, we talk about it all the time, uh, there's no sense going any farther. And throughout the course of the year, Terry, and you know, I'm, uh, you know, very much enjoy all the data that I collect. That is probably one of the most useful tools for somebody that is struggling with their shooting to make sure that they understand that their gun is shooting where they're looking. And uh, uh, it's amazing how many people get helped by a simple session on that. Well, you know, you can't say enough about, I don't care what level skill level you are as a shooter, but if you're having trouble or if you just want to take the next step, having somebody just watch you for a short period of time, it just picks up things that, you're just because you're doing it over and over you don't realize you're making that mistake it really gets you dialed in doesn't it well for sure and you know terry i've said this a million times that we do have the best staff in the industry and we are always on our course um, always helping people when we can but sometimes a person needs a little extra uh, time and attention to really figure things out and here at Colorado Clays, not only do we have instructors uh, that can help with all disciplines of shooting, uh, we have classes such as sighting clinics, such as, you know, uh, pistol 101, just beginning type stuff. We have shotgun clinics and, of course, individual, excuse me, individual instruction available. So before a person goes out there, gets overwhelmed, starts doing bad things, 
uh, talk to us. Get with one of our instructors. Make some recommendations. And a lot of times it doesn't take that much time or money to, to get yourself on track. So highly recommended. All right. Last thing, how can you help me through the holiday season here? All right, Terry. I was going to send you a list of the things I want for Christmas, but I'm going to go ahead and list a few here now. Uh, <laughs> Colorado Clay's gift card, the best gift you can give the outdoorsman in your family. Uh, and, I mean, in our clubhouse, you walk through, we have hats, we have hoodies, shirts, uh, different types of accessories. Terry, we even have jewelry. You might think about this for Karen, um, made out of um, pistol rifle rounds. It is some of the neatest stuff you'll see. Um, you can buy time on our rifle and pistol range for the rifle and pistol shooter in your family. And, of course, you can buy any number of rounds of skeet, wobble trap, sporting clays, patterning, what have you. And then, of course, you can also get some time uh, for lessons and different types of training. And the beauty of the Colorado Clays um, gift card is It'll fit any budget, Terry. You don't have to get carried away. You can buy the amount that you can afford, and it's always a great gift on Christmas. So the perfect gift. So, now, do you buy those online? You come to the facility? How do you get those? All right. Well, we have three options, Terry. Um, very simple. Come out to Colorado Clays. Go into the clubhouse to the counter. Tell us how much you want to spend. We'll write you a gift card right there. You're good to go. If you want to have it mailed to you, give us a call. Uh, we'll do a credit card over the phone. Uh, we'll make out an envelope, send you your gift card. And the other option, which is very popular, is the email one. So call in, same thing, give us your information, make your payment. The gift card will be emailed to you, and you'll have it right there to print out at your house. So three easy options. All right, my friend, we have to go. But we will talk to you soon, and you and I are going to get on the ice and do some ice fishing this year. I am very excited, Terry. Um, we'll talk soon. All right. Colorado Clays. You can find them at coloradoclays.com. We will talk to you again very soon. We're going to take a quick time out. I'm going to talk a little ice fishing line, and then uh, Dan Jacobs is going to join us. All that coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Rudolph was under the weather. He had to call in sick. So he got on the horn to his cousin Leroy, who lived out in the sticks. He said, Santa's really counting on me. You're really trying to get us in the mood, aren't you, Kyle? I'm trying. <laughs> You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I tell you, what, I want to talk a little bit about ice fishing line. And I, I'm only going to touch on it for a little bit here, and then I think next week... I'm going to go into more depth with each of our guests that talks ice fishing next week. By the way, we have a longer show from 8 to 10.30 next week, but it's going to be on Sunday because of the Broncos game. So next week, instead of being on Saturday, that's the 20th, we'll be on Sunday at 12.20. I mean, 12.20 Sunday, we'll be on at 8 to 10.30. So we'll post that on our Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, so follow us there. Now, ice fishing line. Last year, Last week, I talked about picking out the right ice fishing rod and suiting it to the type of line or the weight break weight of the line. And Nate kind of took that a little bit further talking about matching the presentation. We really have to do the same thing with your line too. If you're brand new to ice fishing and you're really not an experienced angler, 
I'm probably going to recommend you start out with just some monofilament. I would use XL. I know some people like like XT. They think it's more abrasive resistant, that it won't catch on the hole and cut the line. I've never had that happen. I've had fish break because the line was rubbing on the hole, break the line down. It's just because it added drag to the line. But the ice is smooth. It's typically not going to cut your line. So XL, mono XL, like, Trilene XL, and I would stay in the, if I'm fishing trout on the front range, the four to six pound test, if I'm going up after lake trout, or I might go eight to 10, and then if you get into walleyes, maybe you go eight, if you're getting into the pike and the big, big lake trout, you maybe have to go a little bit of specialty, but that'll get you started. Now, lately, I've been experimenting with a lot of fluorocarbon line over the last couple of years. I really like it. The one thing you have to be careful with fluorocarbon is that it it is a little stiffer, so you have to be careful when you're sizing it to your lure that understand that fluorocarbon, even though the line is almost invisible in the water, it's not going to give as natural a presentation in the same line weight as the mono. So you may have to adjust that. But it will sink better and faster than mono, and mono absorbs water and can actually freeze depending on whether you're fishing in a shelter or not. So those are some things to come in mind. Now, the super lines the braided lines, the nanofills. I use quite a bit of those, and I put usually a fluorocarbon or a mono leader on them. But if you're new to using super lines or new to fishing in general, be a little careful there because you have to understand tying knots a little better to use those. And uh, fluorocarbon and super lines are expensive, although you can get by with using less on a ice fishing rod because you can put just uh, a few yards onto a spool of mono that you already have on a reel. And if the fish runs, you'll still have backing, but it won't come into your presentation. Some braids and super lines, you have to be a little careful because they can pick up water. If you're fishing in a shelter, it's not a problem. If you're fishing outdoors uh, and you get really cold, you can get the line get a little stiff. Now, it will thaw as it gets down into the water. But that's just some basics. And I would start, if I'm going trout, like I said, four to six-pound test. If I'm getting into maybe bigger trout, walleyes, maybe I'm going to go six to eight and even small lake trout eight, and we'll take it from there. But we're going to get more in depth into that last uh, next week when we have all our different guests on. And you're going to hear a lot of different, uh, a lot of different theories because we all approach it a little differently. So we probably won't agree with that. But right now, I believe, is Dan Jacobs in the studio? I'm here. I heard you made a comment on my survival article on my Facebook page. Well, no, I wanted to talk to you about it because, um, you know, I follow you on Facebook and I saw that you had reposted your article, um, which I was glad you did because it uh, <clears throat> you know, talks about some good things. If you have an out- outdoor incident, um, you know, good tips like have, you know, always make sure you have a GPS, uh, have water filtration, have a way to start a fire. Uh, good, good tips. But, you know, chief among them is, you know, always, you know, stay put, know where you are, keep your wits about you. And uh, I was glad to see that because, you know, last week, actually about a week ago, a week and a day ago, I had an outdoor incident um, that could have gone very, very badly. Um, That was going to talk to you about, Terry. Uh, It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Legends of the Fall, Uh, Brad Pitt's character, um, which, you know, I I do get compared to, you know, Brad Pitt quite a bit in my life. By um, you, you get compared to him. Yeah, yeah, uh, I yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, there's, a, there's a, a part in the movie where the young Brad Pitt, he gets a, a, attacked by a bear. And they kind of spill blood together. And, the, you know, the story goes, you know, they, 
when you when you spill blood with an animal like that, kind of your spirits are entwined. And I kind of felt like that because I had this incident last week. Um, I'm out on the, in, in the ocean, deep in the ocean, and uh, I have this experience where I'm attacked. And uh, but I was able to employ, you know, kind of the concepts in your article, and I kept my wits about me. And um, you know, I had this vicious. Uh, I still bear the mark of this animal, uh, but I kept my wits about me. I was able to drag myself to shore. And I survived, Terry. I'm a survivor, um, now, and I'm proud. If, you know, and, if I understand uh, right, you uh, you had a jellyfish brush up against you and leave a small welt. Uh, well, it wasn't a small welt. I still got this thing. Uh, it was pretty brutal. I had to, um, you know, I burned one hand pretty severely, um, and I didn't know what to do because you know it's weird. They, um, you know, because it leaves like it leaves this jelly all over you. And I actually think Terry, it was uh, a man of war, which is like the balloon thing which is like a cousin of the jellyfish. Um, you know, but I was in the ocean. I was able to drag myself to shore, uh, make it back to the safe confines of the condo, uh, have some key lime pie as treatment. And, uh, you know, I was able to get back in the ocean the next day because you know, I have an extremely high tolerance of pain, thankfully. And uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I'm a survivor. But I was able to employ some of the tips from your, uh, from your article, and, and I made it. Well, keeping your wits about you was probably easier because you had a small amount to gather. Oh, hey so, there. <laughs> hey, before we go any further, I was going to talk some Broncos, but we're not going to have time. But I do want to give you kudos. Uh, you do a lot to feed people to your charities that you're involved with this time of the year. And all kidding aside, at, at a time with COVID and everything else going on, I really want to uh, people – you know, for all the hardcore he comes across and tries to be Mr. Mean and Nasty, this man helps feed hundreds of people to the charities involved with. And kudos to you for that, Dan. Well, you know what? Uh, you know, we don't like to pat ourselves on the back. I will, one, I will say thank you to you guys because we did do – we just hopped on board with the, um, the uh, you know, Giving Tuesday thing because Facebook was matching. You, you and Karen, <clears throat> were one of our biggest contributors, so we appreciate that. And – um you know what? One thing I was really proud of, though, Terry, was we did, uh, you know, like, for example, Daddy Bruce did 7,000 meals with this thing. We did 10,000 meals this year um, to people that need it. Uh, that's and I, awesome. I, t- I took a step back and I said, wow, man, that's, that was pretty cool that we were able to do that. So um, it is. It is. It is awesome. We're going to have to close down my show so you can start yours. But um, thank you again for what you do. And you and I will, I don't know if we'll get to talk next week because we're on kind of a different schedule, but I'll at least talk to you in a couple of weeks. So have a great show. All right. Thanks. You bet. We're going to wrap up Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Go to our YouTube channel. Lots of the fishing we talk about. Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Film right here in your backyard. Remember, next week, We're not going to be on Saturday. We're going to be on Sunday from 8 to 10.30. We'll see you then. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan.